Chapter Twenty Three of The Story of John Wesley, Told to Boys and Girls. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Greg Giordano. The Story of John Wesley, Told to Boys and Girls, by Marianne Curlew. Chapter Twenty Three. Have you ever heard of the magic mirror? It is a mirror I would like to have. You just think of something you would very much like to see. Something either in the past, the present, or the future. Peep into the mirror, and there it is. Let us imagine that we have this mirror, and that we want to look at a particular part of Newcastle in the year 1742. What do we see? A big, unfinished building, with all the walls standing, but no roof, no doors, and no windows. It is a cold winter's day, but in spite of the biting wind and the frosty air, there are hundreds of people crowding inside and outside the walls. Right in the middle stands the gentleman with the long hair and the beautiful face. It is Mr. Wesley opening the first meeting-house in Newcastle. Oh, how hard those poor colliers and their wives, yes, and the children, too, worked to get money to build their chapel. On this opening day they were so proud and happy they could not keep still. They kept shouting hallelujah all the time Mr. Wesley was preaching. Three or four times he had to stop in the middle of his sermon on purpose to let them praise God. Bob and Billy and Polly were at that opening. They loved Mr. Wesley and always tried to get as near to him as they could. They were not ragged now, for their fathers and mothers were converted, and their money was no longer spent in drink. The children, too, had learned to love Jesus and were trying to be like him, and no cursing or swearing was ever heard. Scores of men and women in Newcastle that day thanked God they had got out of bed that Sunday morning in May and heard Mr. Wesley sing at the top of Sandgate. The Methodists had now chapels or meeting-houses in Bristol, London, Kingswood, and Newcastle, and societies were being formed in a great many other places. When Mr. Wesley found the work was spreading so fast, he saw it was necessary to draw up some general rules for all the members to follow. His brother Charles helped him in this difficult task. These are some of the rules which together they drew up, in which all who joined the Methodists had to promise to obey. Members of society must not swear, must keep the Sabbath day holy, must not buy or sell intoxicating liquor, must not drink intoxicating liquor, except as medicine, must not fight, must not quarrel, must return good for evil, must not speak evil of anyone, must do to others as we would have them do to us, must not wear a great deal of jewelry or expensive clothes, must not go to any place of amusement where they would not like to meet Jesus, must not sing songs or read books that will not help them to love God more must not buy anything unless they are quite sure they will be able to pay for it, must be kind to everybody and give help to all as far as they are able, 
by feeding the hungry, clothing the naked, visiting the sick and those in prison, by running with patience the race that is set before them, by denying themselves and taking up their cross daily. They must go to chapel regularly, must take the sacrament, and lastly have family and private prayer every day. Were not these strict rules, the people were so much in earnest, and had such trust in their leader, Mr. Wesley, that they were quite willing to agree to them. The next thing Mr. Wesley did was to send out his helpers, generally two together, to certain districts where they usually remained for a year. They had to preach in all the places round about, and each particular district or tract of country was called a circuit. This was the beginning of the circuits, which we have in Methodism today. I dare say you often heard father or mother say, Oh, Mr. So-and-so has gone to another circuit, or Mr. So-and-so is in our circuit now. London and Bristol always remained the chief circuits, but before very long, Newcastle became the next in importance. End of chapter 23 Recording by Greg Giordano, Newport Ritchie, Florida.